0: This is the Heartland Daily Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Heartland Institute's Daily Podcast. I'm Sterling Burnett, Director of the Arthur B. Robinson Center on Climate and Environmental Policy. The scientists and scholars at the European-based Climate Intelligence Foundation, or CLINTEL, recently completed a thorough and long-overdue independent analysis of the UN Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change's Sixth Assessment Report, or AR6. As one might guess from the title, the title being The Frozen Climate Views of the IPCC, CLINTEL found some serious problems with AR6. We're happy to have one of the co-authors of the report petrophysicist Andy May, here to discuss this important report today. Andy, thanks for being with us.
1: Thank you, Sterling.
0: So Andy, before we jump into the problems you and your co-authors found with the IPCC's AR6 report, uh, the frozen climate views of the IPCC, for our listeners who may not be familiar with you, please tell us a little about yourself, your background, how you came to work on issues, and ultimately join CLINTEL, and what CLINTEL is.
1: Okay. Um, I was a petrophysicist for 42 years uh, and retired in, in 2016. Um, I've studied climate change since around 2005, just out of general interest after reading Michael Crichton's uh, State of Fear. Uh, my interest grew with time and I began writing about it in 2013 while I was still working. I've now written four books on climate change plus uh uh, one book on Kansas history, uh, the state I grew up in. I volunteer as an editor for What's Up With That dot com, and in that capacity, I recruited other scientists to write about various aspects of climate change. It was one of those uh, Wim Rost of the Netherlands that asked me to join Clintel some years ago. Uh, later, uh, the managing director of Clintel, Marcel Krock, asked me to help him put together this book. Uh, and two years later, here we are. The The book is out and uh, selling pretty well.
0: Well, uh, so, but, but uh, and, and once again, t- tell us a little bit what Clintel is.
1: Okay. Um, like you said, uh, Clintel is short for climate intelligence. Uh, the website is clintel.org. Uh, Marcel founded it with a friend of his, Goose Burkout, in the netherlands in uh, in 2019 um, i recently had the pleasure of meeting for the first time really face to face with both marcel and goose in june when uh, my wife and i took a long tour of poland and they asked me to fly over to the netherlands for a week uh, i spoke to the clintel group in Hillegom, netherlands while i was there and Clintel uh, now has 1,577 scientists and engineers who have signed up for signed the Clintel Declaration that there is no climate emergency.
0: I uh, full disclosure, I'm one of those uh, signatories. Uh, they recruited me back in 2019. Um, so, why did Clintel's leaders believe? the IPCC AR-6 report merited a thorough critical review.
1: Okay. Um, We we were involved with the second, most of us anyway, were involved with the second order draft uh, before the AR-6 came out. Uh, Many of us commented, uh, in fact, uh, the group of us, there's 13, uh, of the group of us, I think we submitted many hundreds of comments on AR-6. So you were you
0: were reviewers for AR6,
1: yes, and uh, we knew through the grapevine that the obvious and blatant bias that we saw in the in the draft would not be fixed in its final version. Uh, they weren't paying any attention to our comments and the comments of many others. Um, official channels weren't working. IPCC procedures were being ignored. So. We decided that we had to write an independent critique uh, which is now out. As you said, the title is The Frozen Climate Views of the IPCC. Um, Of the 13 of us, uh, we come from seven different countries and we're all very well versed in in climate science. Uh, Eight of us were authors of chapters and five were reviewers. All the chapters were thoroughly reviewed by multiple reviewers. We had some uh, significant debates. Uh, particularly, there was a significant debate over, cha- over our Chapter 7. Uh, and so when you read Chapter 7, you'll see that there's the main chapter and an appendix that gives the opposing view. So we were not uh, unanimous in our views on all these topics uh, by any stretch of the imagination. We had significant debates amongst ourselves. Um, the IPCC AR6 team went to great lengths to exclude recent data and research that suggests some of the most recent climate change is natural. Prominent climate scientists uh, that will not toe the party line, like Roger Peelkey Jr., for example, or Richard Lindzen of MIT, are almost totally excluded from the AR6, WG1, and WG2 reports uh, that we examined in our assessment.
0: Yes, that's, uh, well, you know, that's been a problem in the past. And, and of course, in the past, uh, some scientists who initially were part of the IPCC, IPCC process, uh, when their uh, material was uh, sort of misused, when it was claimed they made stronger claims than they actually made, they actually resigned from IPCC. So this doesn't surprise me. So what are some of the fundamental problems you found with the IPCC AR6 report? Sort of crucial points it makes okay. that are likely flat out mistaken or projections they suggest might be likely they are, in fact, implausible, things like that.
1: Okay. As you can imagine, there's quite a list. Um, I will um, – I guess I'll start through uh, the list more or less in my own priority order and then stop me with questions or or anything you have as I go. But in Chapter 1 of our report, we discussed the the AR6 statement that global surface temperatures are more likely than not unprecedented in the last 125,000 years. This is absurd. Uh, Prior to 1850... Uh, There are no calibrated thermometer measurements in enough locations around the world uh, to get a global average temperature. All we have are a few hundred uncalibrated proxy temperature records like tree rings or ice cores that provide a rough temperature every decade or century or two. Declaring that today with our thousands of accurate temperature readings around the world is more likely than not warmer than any century <laughs> in the last 12,000 years is laughable and meaningless. Even if the proxies uh, but, are ac- – oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. It, but they didn't say any century. It's any millennia. I mean they're talking 125,000 years. Precisely so. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I put that in there because in reality you're – You're comparing our minute-by-minute temperatures from highly accurate thermometers today all over the world to a a proxy that represents an average temperature, maybe, uh, of the summers (laughs) over a 100-year period, or perhaps the winters over a 100-year period. Depending upon the proxy, the proxies don't even match with regards to season. So. I stuck that century in there because that's really what you're doing. You're comparing minute by minute temperatures today to a, uh, some average of of temperature over a century, a thousand years ago. If that makes any sense.
0: No, I get it. I I just uh, you know you you had said. Hundreds of years, of like hold it. They said 125,000 years. That's millennia. <laughs> yeah.
1: That's, well, that, that was that, deliberate and sarcastic, yeah, yeah, yeah. and and probably a little too subtle. <laughs> yeah.
0: Anyway, so 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 continue. Tell tell us some more. You know, go, continue with your explanation of the problems there. And,
1: okay. And, and, well, all the uh, paleontological. Uh, evidence, the glacier advances and retreats that are recorded in the fossil record, and archaeological evidence from past civilizations suggests that temperatures over most of the world were higher 6,000 years ago than today. This evidence, which is growing, by the way, uh, year by year, is ignored by the uh, A in the AR6 report. So that. That's just a mess. Um, In our Chapter 3, we discussed the claim that, the AR6 claim, that ocean heat content is rising faster today than at any time in the past 10,000 years, which is ridiculous for the same reasons I gave in the last answer. But they give us a graph in zeta-joules, Uh, To make their point, zeta-joules is a measure of energy. It shows ocean heat content rising about 500 zeta-joules since uh, 1900. But they forget to mention that the ocean contains 1,514,000 zeta-joules of energy which means that the increase since 1900 is only 0.03% and represents a rate of increase in ocean temperature of only 0.4 degrees per century Uh, based on Argo float data since 2002. And really, ocean temperatures, we only have a, a grasp of what they are globally since about 2005. We started measuring them in 2002, but... It's really just since 2005, so their statement that that somehow ocean heat content is rising faster than any time in the last 10,000 years is extremely misleading.
0: It sounds like I mean you, you correct me if I'm wrong. It sounds like there's no basis for comparison.
1: There isn't, right? Really. First off, uh, they can, say
0: they said since 1900, we got to remember humans have only been contributing large amounts of CO2 to the atmosphere since the, the 1950s. That's when it started to spike. Industrialization around the world began uh, in earnest uh, in some ways. And that's when CO2 emissions really began to rise. But so 50 years before that, they're talking about uh, – but secondly, it's like, hold it. We just literally uh, – you, you you can correct me if I'm wrong – but it seems to me we have no, absolutely no measurements of ocean heat content prior to probably the 21st century.
1: Well, you're quite right, because surface temperatures, which are measured o- over the side of ships in the 19th century with buckets and uh, handheld thermometers, they, uh, they measure the surface Uh, temperature on the ocean but they don't measure it at depth so we really don't know except through proxy evidence from fossils that are recovered from uh uh, deep sea cores i'll mention that here in a little while what you can do for comparison is you can take a particularly good proxy say a greenland ice core that you trust or you can take uh, a sediment core in indonesia uh and, and determine temperatures from proxies there, and they'll be 20 to 100 years year averages. Then you use our highly accurate database today and you find out today's temperature at that location at exactly the same ocean depth or altitude. And you uh, compare it that way because you can reduce the resolution of today's temperatures, today's highly accurate temperatures, but you can't increase the resolution or the temporal resolution of proxies. So they're doing it exactly backwards. They're using proxies to try and estimate a global temperature to compare it to today, and they should be working at specific locations where there are good proxies that they trust and can document and just do it at that location. Uh, And when you do that, you get a completely different answer today you know it's it looks wild because we've got this high resolution minute by minute data that shows everything going on and we're comparing it to these averages that don't compare well to one another so when you combine them you smooth out the temperature curve in the past making it look like the the spike today is a big deal but it's it's invalid you've got to go the other way around and when you go the other way around you find out that thousands of years ago it was much warmer than today (laughs) and and even today's temperatures you
0: you keep talking about the highly accurate highly accurate we found here at heartland with our surface station test that (laughs) i think it was 96 percent of the surface stations in the united states are corrupted they're 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 biased by the urban heat island effect because they're sighted poorly, and yeah. I, you know. And if you look at the ocean temperatures, we've got around two thousand or more buoys around the world that do a pretty good job. Uh-huh. Uh, it's it's still relatively sparse coverage, but still uh, they do a pretty good job. But then they started supplementing that in twenty fifteen, just before the Paris Climate Agreement, uh, with temperature measurements from ship. Engine ocean water intake valves, the, the water right. that's led into cool ships. I'm sorry, uh, that is hardly a bi- uh, unbiased. <laughs> the, uh, if you ever stood next to the side of a ship uh, it, at port, much less, you know, in ocean, you'll see that it's a lot hotter than uh, and And the, uh, the engine intake valve, the engines there?
1: Yeah, yeah, they're hot. Yeah, yeah. I mean,
0: you, look at the old 1950s v- visions of stevedores down there sweating as uh, they <laughs> yeah so well it just, it's i kind of
1: i kind of agree with you on an objective basis because objectively speaking today's temperatures aren't very accurate uh, particularly down to a tenth of a degree which is right. is all we talk about because temperatures have hardly changed in the last 200 years but um they um uh, uh, but when you compare today's calibrated yeah. thermometer measurements uh I'm talking about 2022 proxy data, yeah yeah when i say today yeah. s- since 2005 for sure uh y- you compare those temperatures to 6000 years ago and ice core proxies and an ocean bottom sediment pro- uh, proxies i mean we're talking orders of magnitude yeah. more accurate today than back then
0: i get it i get it so 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 what are some of the other sort of issues you found
1: okay um in uh, chapter six uh we discussed the ar claims that calculations show that the human influence on climate is approximately equal to the observed warming over the 20th century so they're saying that well okay we calculate Uh, as much warming as has actually occurred. Then they claim that all natural warming, because of that, lies between minus 0.1 degrees C and plus 0.1 degrees C, or in other words, zero. So they're saying there's no natural warming at all over the 20th century, even though the modern solar maximum began in 1935 and didn't end until around 2000. So on page 67 of the the AR6 report, they say there has been negligible long-term influence from solar activity in volcanoes, the only sources of natural warming that they even uh, consider. Yet the medieval warm period, which is an historical fact, coincides with high solar activity from solar proxies, and the Little Ice Age coincides with low solar activity. And the Little Ice Age, of course, is historically well-documented as well. Currently, the the modern solar maximum coincides with the modern warming period since uh, about 1976 or so. Uh, Historical climate changes over the past 1,000 years correlate well with solar proxies in Spain, Portugal, Slovakia, China, Bhutan, and the Canadian Rockies. Further, Greenland ice core records and Indonesian subsea temperature proxies a half the world away compare well to each other and to solar proxies. How can climate records and solar proxies compare so well if the sun has no influence on climate? The data we have available allows for everything from no role for the sun to most of recent warming being due to solar changes. AR6 has clearly cherry-picked the data that they use to try and show that solar variability has no role in climate change.
0: So, um, because we we got several you know several more questions um, and and limited time. I want to get to one thing that, that I found pretty important uh, okay. in the report, and that's the idea that they they use, their projections are highly implausible. Can you discuss that a bit?
1: Are you talking about the CO2 emission scenarios or the climate sensitivity to CO2? Uh,
0: well, you can you can describe both, but I was thinking of the CO2 emission scenarios and the impacts.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: The AR, uh, the the the, the uh, RCP eight point five stuff.
1: Oh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah. That we talk about uh, at length in the book, for yeah. sure. Um, the uh, I'm looking looking through my notes here for just a second, to, uh, um, but. The main thing about that is that the alarmist, climate scientists at least, plus the skeptics, agree that the 8.5 CO2 emission scenario is completely implausible. Uh, In fact, uh, even uh, Zeke Hausfather, who is is as much a climate alarmist as anybody, has said it's improbable that CO2 could be emitted at that rate, yet 42% of uh, the mentions of CO2 emission scenarios in the in the IPCC report refer to 8.5. Even even though there's general agreement that it it, it absolutely makes no sense and and is improbable, the uh, this is important because remember that today there is no real evidence. That global warming is natural or man-made, uh, or that global warming is dangerous. it's 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 just there's just nothing there that says it's dangerous. In fact, global warming and additional c o two has had many benefits since the little ice age or the quote unquote pre-industrial. And if you use an implausible scenario, then then you calculate the impact from that implausible scenario with another model. Then you're greatly exaggerating the effects of warming, and uh, that's that's the position that the that AR6 is in.
0: Not just exaggerating them, you're exaggerating them all in one direction—disaster. That's right. Um, so, your assessment, your co-authors' assessment—if you can speak for them—why um, do you think the IPCC persists in continuing to push assessments and narratives? that are scientifically unjustified.
1: Okay. Why does the IPCC do that? Um, Clearly, the IPCC is politically motivated and pushing a political agenda. Why they and their political masters want to destroy the fossil fuel industry and make energy less available and more expensive is really hard to understand. I can only guess that investors in alternative energy who want to make money, combined with environmentalists who hate humanity and want the world to have fewer people, are pushing this. Less reliable, more expensive energy would reduce the human population, but it would not be pretty. Certainly the motive is not the environment. Who wants to look out at a world filled with windmills, solar panels, and strip mines? for the rare earth elements needed uh, in, in renewable technologies. It just, it really makes no sense to me. Um, and uh, it appears to be a, an emotionally motivated political uh, agenda.
0: So, in addition to, uh, I mean, that they've even brought back the hockey stick, which is amazing to me. It's been so thoroughly <laughs> refuted.
1: Exactly. It, it, it's just it's just uh, it's just unbelievable that they would bring that back. That was that was the red flag I think that probably set off the single red flag that probably set off us writing this book. Mm-hmm. When people saw that hockey stick being brought back from the third assessment report, people in our group I'm talking about the scientists yeah. they just threw up their hands and said, "Look, there is nothing we can do with." Uh, Inside the the IPCC system. We have to go outside.
0: Yeah, so thoroughly debunked. uh, Yeah. Showing how statistical manipulation, selective data, you know, when you erase entire epochs, like a little ice age, (laughs) medieval warm periods, when you erase entire periods of time as if they never happened and then all the warming's now, that's crazy. So, in addition... To restating and reinforcing bad news that's likely false from previous reports, like the hockey stick, for instance. Uh, Clintel's analysis also found that the IPCC downplayed or failed to report on good news about climate change with regards to extreme weather events, disaster losses, and climate-related deaths. Can you discuss that a bit?
1: Yeah, I can. The the claims about extreme weather being related to global warming are are annoying uh, because they are obviously not true. Recent global warming has occurred because nights are warming faster than days and winters faster than summers. The tropics are warming 15% slower than the entire globe, whereas the North Pole is warming 86% faster than the globe. Temperature contrasts are becoming less. Temperature contrasts are what drive extreme weather. If temperature extremes are becoming less, extreme extreme weather will be be less common, which is exactly what we are observing. More weather-related deaths occur in winter than in summer, and weather-related deaths are now 99% lower than in 1920, according to Bjorn Lomborg, an expert in the field. Statistics show that weather and climate mortality and weather-related damages as a proportion to GDP and population change have dropped as the weather has become warmer and milder, not the other way around. The whole idea is so obviously false. It's incredibly annoying.
0: Yeah. it's, it's it, The data on extreme weather events is clear. Uh, there's yes. no, no increase in hurricanes, no increase right. in severe hurricanes. In fact, it's a modest decline. Yes. Uh, you know, tornadoes aren't worsening. Drought right. isn't getting worse. You, you right. pick. You pick your extreme weather event, and you find out none of the long-term trends are worsening. They're not becoming more frequent or more severe.
1: Exactly. And
0: when you look at the health and welfare data, the debt, You know, premature deaths related to uh, not suboptimal temperatures. Right or weather events, which you would expect since weather events aren't getting worse, uh, they're all declining. And
1: uh, Yeah, and then you, can, you contrast that with the pre-industrial age yeah. that the IPCC seems to want to take us back to, the Little Ice Age, the coldest period in the Holocene, when uh, during severe events, Millions of people died. I'm talking about severe cold events. Millions of people died. Half the population of, of Finland died in the latter part of the 17th century when it was incredibly cold uh, during the solar minimum that we call the Maunder minimum. Uh, so it's, that was a terrible time. It's nothing we want to return to. Why they measure global warming from 1750 is beyond me.
0: Yeah. I mean, well, you know, Irish potato famine happened during that time period when crops failed everywhere. Uh, uh, Huge, huge migration due to
1: that. Um, And extreme weather was much, much worse then than it it is now.
0: Yeah. So it's, uh, it's, it's amazing. A, it's amazing that a supposedly scientific body acts like this. And B, it's amazing that the supposed fourth estate that's supposed to be a check on uh, power, uh, speak truth to power, lets them get away with it and, in fact, encourages it. Yes. So how has Clintel's report been received? And why do you think, with the important findings it reveals, it's not gotten more attention than it has, say, from the mainstream media?
1: Yeah, uh, I'm mystified as well. Usually uh, a report of this type uh, an authoritative report critiquing an official government document would receive some attention from the mainstream media, but it hasn't. The encouraging thing is it's selling well. It's only been out about six weeks, and it's it's selling pretty well. Uh, we're getting lots of requests at Clintel for, for copies. Uh, and, um so we can only hope that if it continues to sell well, sell well, and people talk about it, uh, there's more interviews like this one. Uh, that the mainstream media will eventually pay attention. Uh, the uh, certainly, Clintel, has a a, a large group of uh, very dedicated scientists that are uh, that don't believe climate change is dangerous in any fashion. So that that should. Uh, that, that should spawn some mainstream media reviews of it. I hope so.
0: So the it's selling well. Are the reviews good on, on wherever they're being reviewed, Amazon or wherever it is?
1: Yes. Uh, all the reviews on Amazon uh, that I, I guess I looked yesterday, they, they're all positive. Uh, the the reviews, the, the pre-publication reviews that are on the back of the book uh, are very favorable. Uh, we've had a critique by a young post-doctorate uh, scientist on Twitter, uh, but uh, uh, I think I dealt with all of that in a post that's on my blog uh, and showed that he was not only inconsistent with himself, uh, his own papers, uh, but uh, uh, his tweets were not always consistent with one another either. <laughs> yeah.
0: So I knew, you know, I'm in the U.S. here, and I knew I hadn't seen mainstream media coverage. I'd seen some coverage, but not, you know, social media, things like that, but not mainstream media. But have you gotten any mainstream media coverage in Europe where y'all are based?
1: No, uh, and Marcel is, uh, Marcel Kroc, my co-editor, is disappointed. Um, He has, he used to be a journalist, a science journalist. And he has reached out to his journalist contacts, and and he's very well known. Um, yeah, Gus in Burke
0: out and some of the people on your yeah the Clintel scientists are noted scientists.
1: Right, but he can't seem to generate any interest. So I guess we need a groundswell among uh, people like ourselves to to get to get it up there.
0: Okay. Well, Andy, Clintel's report. Uh, the frozen climate views of the IPCC uh, analysis of AR6 is comprehensive and in-depth, meaning we barely touched on all the important issues it raises. To close, big picture, if you can make just one point for our listeners to take away from our discussion today, what is it and how can your report help people better separate facts from myths in the climate change debate?
1: Okay, well, my recommendation to the general public is to always be skeptical of alarmist predictions of uh, doom and gloom. These are often self-serving. Look outside. Do you see a climate disaster coming? Of course not. Are renewable energy sources better and cheaper than fossil fuels? Again, of course not. Trust your eyes and the facts, not expert predictions. Above all, remember that the ipcc's pre-industrial that is prior to 1750 was the worst portion of the little ice age when millions um, of people around the world starved to death it is not an ideal climate that we want to return to well
0: andy it's been good to speak with you i hope we do it again soon in the meantime it, it turns out, by the way, that we don't live that far from each other. I think you're in the woodlands, and I've spoken down there a couple of times to the Rotary Club. Uh, I'm, I'm in the Dallas area, so uh, oh, okay. maybe we can get together for lunch sometime or something. I mean, we're not that sure. close, but uh, if we go down that way. Yeah. I want to thank you uh, for coming on the show on behalf of myself and our listeners and allow you the opportunity to tell our listeners how to get Clintel's AR6 analysis.
1: Okay. The book is available on Amazon, uh, Kobo. Uh, You can also download a low-resolution version from the clintel.org website uh, for free. And uh, we certainly certainly hope you uh, buy it and read it and enjoy it.
0: Well, listeners, thanks for checking in on us today. Please check Hartland's website as we continue to follow the work of Andy May and the other scholars and scientists at Climate Intelligence Foundation. Please also continue to follow us as we track the progress of energy and environmental laws and regulations that affect you also. If you're not already receiving these podcasts on your favorite device, go to iTunes and subscribe. And when you have the time, please rate our podcast on iTunes so you can help us expand the reach of free market ideas. You might also jump on Climate Change Roundtable live stream every Friday on your favorite social media streaming service where Anthony Watts, Linnea Lucan, and myself and the occasional guest, Discuss the climate topic of the week, complete with taking questions from viewers. Thanks. Take care. Bye.